Welcome to All Things Dorothy's Daughter podcast. I am your host, Nini, and you are listening to Episode 7. And the month of May, our series is titled Love and Loss. And today we have a fascinating story where this individual talks about the childhood trauma, the adult trauma, and how to remove that trauma one brick at a time. Thank you for joining and take a listen. To the show, Patrice. Glad to have you. I thank Speak you. What, thank you for having me. I think what we could start with, though, is how we know each other. People probably, I'm sure some people know and some people don't, but we've literally been friends for shit, 30 years. Oh, maybe. My gosh, yes. It's almost 30 years. 30 years. So mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing. I, and I know it's sort of like I, yes. tell, I told my sisters, I'm like, you're sort of more like a sister. Because we, like, <laughs> we talk, we don't talk. We talk, we don't like the right? pictures. Same <laughs> thing. That's your friends too. <laughs> so you've been, look, a huge supporter in listening to Love and Lost series, which we only have three yes. more episodes. So yes. I'll start off with saying kind of what are what were some of the things that stood out about the show for you over the last couple of weeks? So I think I connected with everyone on a different level. Um, really heartfelt connections with um, the episodes about losing children and marrying young, um, the common theme of losing oneself. Um, I think those all hit home. For me, so um, when you think about, you know, love and loss, we typically think of, you know, happy love and then loss, sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that way. I think I, I, I mean, I don't think, I know I think backwards, and it might sound crazy, but in my life, if given the choice, I choose loss voluntarily. I think the opposite. You know, mm-hmm. I frown at love and smile at loss. Um, wow. And I think we the reaction is too strong. I need to, yeah, you know me. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> Brown at has love, um, smiled at loss. At loss. Because wow. I think loss has protected me. Um, or, you know, it continues to teach me. I learn about myself um, through loss or through the experience of loss. Does that make sense? That is a very interesting. I, never, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I definitely want mm-hmm. us to tail back the onion on that. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, thinking about loss and, and mm-hmm. so how does how does it make you feel? Like is there do you get like a is there something physical that happens? Because you said it makes you smile, right? Is there something physically yes. that happens? I I feel a sense of relief. For me, um Love, the feeling of love brings, you know, pressure and fear fear and vulnerability and judgment. For me, it's a, a setup for loss. So when the loss setup. happens, That's an yeah. word. <laughs> it's a setup. I know it's coming. As soon as someone tells me, oh, there's love involved or I feel love, I start preparing myself for loss. And maybe it has to do with my background or my childhood. So it's probably totally a dysfunction. But I think it's what I've experienced 
you know, as a child and growing up, that loss is my safe place because I can control it. Wow. Now, you, you can control the loss or you can control how you feel about the loss? I can control, well, I have been controlling and choosing loss because of how it makes me feel. Um, safe, um, not concerned, I'm not left alone if I choose to be alone. Wow. And maybe, so let me explain a little bit, just a little bit about my background and the first time I experienced loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, background parents, you know, young parents, my mother had two kids by the age of 20, grew up in poverty, abusive relationship. They divorced my mother, you know, went to a, another relationship or got involved with another relationship. Um, that, um, you know, levels of sexual abuse there. And mind you, I'm only eight or nine years old. Um, and at the age of nine or ten, one day my aunt, my mother's sister, came to visit and she noticed how, you know, I related to my mother's boyfriend or his behavior around me. And she instantly told me to pack up my stuff that I was leaving with her. And I looked at my mother and she didn't fight. She didn't say a word. Um, And I walked out the door thinking, wow, she didn't even fight for me or say anything. And I remember my aunt calling my father on the way to her house saying, hey, you know, your daughter, basically your daughter is in trouble. I have her with me. Do you want me to bring her to you? And he pretty much said, no, you know, I have another family. I don't have room for her. So that feeling, even though I loved my aunt, I had a strong sense of abandonment or feelings of abandonment. That was the first time I experienced loss with someone or people that claimed that they loved me. Wow. Does that make sense? That, yeah, that's, that's a little deep. That's, <laughs> no, that, no, it, it, I mean, if you think, you know, that's heavy to even think about, like, a nine or ten and you're like your, your mom mm-hmm. you're, you're like mom hello you're gonna save me oh no okay how about that nope right. you know that, know that they're still there um mm-hmm. gosh like how do you think i mean that probably was the first thing that you remembered and how do you think that carried you throughout life like i mean that's a pivotal moment mm-hmm. of loss and, and what did you lose being I, you know you it, being thrown mm-hmm. away but what did you lose you think Right. In in hindsight, I mean, back then, of course, I thought I lost my world. Like, no one wants me but my aunt. Like, why, you know, was I not important enough for my mother, you know, chose to stick with the, you know, the abusive boyfriend than to protect her daughter. So the vulnerability, the, you know, getting acclimated to a new environment and a new place, in the absence of my mother, for me, was devastating, even though my aunt was very nurturing. You know, mm-hmm. her household had another set of problems and, you know, teenage problems and things like that. So I went from my aunt's house and her saying, you know, I can't really care for her to, you know, being bounced around to my father's aunt's um, house for a few years and, you know, to another aunt um, where I constantly felt that if, you know, your family really loves you, why does everyone keep sending me away? Mm. 
and again, loss of stability, loss of security um, was a constant theme. Again, with everyone that's saying, I love you, you're such a good kid, you're so smart, you're so polite, she gives me no trouble, yet I continue to be bounced around. Just me. I have a brother. He stayed with my mother in that environment. Um, but, and granted, some of the places that I went was a better environment for me, but still it was foreign. And I learned to be quiet, behave, not be any trouble, not be a burden. Um, I basically became the invisible child. Wow. Did, um, how many, how many, who, like, how many places did you live? And, 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 and to what age? So, let's see, my father, father, let's see, had a stroke, went back to live with them for a year. So I say up until the time I was either 9 or 10 to about 14 years old, 14 or 15, mm-hmm. I came back to live with my mother, um, still the same abusive boyfriend was still around. Um, but, you know, my father at that point was disabled and couldn't care for me, um, so I had to go back and live with them. And then that was a whole other, you know, set of issues and abuse and, and things that happened, you know, back in her presence at the age of 15. Whoa. And how do you think that shaped you? Like, what are, you know, what are some of the things that you think that you went through because of mm-hmm. kind of, and I guess it's not really where you started, but sort of like where you started, mm-hmm. right, between that nine and 14, um, right. how, did that, how did that change you throughout your younger adulthood? I was very, um, very quiet, very introverted, um, super, super smart. You know, I graduated early. Um, I learned to be the quiet kid in the background that didn't want to be a burden to anyone, almost like a foster child. Like mm-hmm. I knew I didn't have opinions. I didn't um, I didn't express myself. I wasn't outgoing. You never find me in, you know, clubs and things at school. I was just really quiet, gained a lot of weight, um, emotional weight, um, it definitely affected me in a, a negative way. And again, at 15, you know, coming back, um, that perpetuated, which made it even worse for me. That brought on another, you know, set of insecurities and things that shaped my life in a negative way that, again, made loss comforting to me. Wow, so you're more comfortable in the loss right? Because if you think mm-hmm. about it, I mean, we ain't mm-hmm. we had no spring chickens, but right. that was a lot of, that was like your, that was your life, especially in our most critical mm-hmm. years growing up mm-hmm. is to be quiet. And, you know, I, I have always wondered, I'm like, man, why don't you ever just say something, you know, mm-hmm. but it makes total sense that, you know, and, the, and I think the analogy or how, the reference of, you know, foster kids, they're like, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want someone to get mad at me because I, they may send me away. Yes. Or I, I was always waiting, okay, who's going to take me next? And if I ever had to go back to my mother, would I be able to survive in the environment that she was in? 
my my brother, you know, it had a, another effect on him. He became, you know, a quote-unquote criminal in the street life and things like that. For me, when I came back at 15, um, it was worse. You know, I don't think I've ever said these words out loud, but, you know, I was raped by my mother's boyfriend's son at the age of 15. Um, again, right before that conversation of, you know, I love you, I'm protecting you from my father, and he did. Um, but again, there was a violation right after there, loss of innocence, loss of trust, loss of safety. You know, and you get to the point you pick your punishment as a child, Do you know, is the abuse coming from the father or the son? I picked the son because it was less trauma for me. I totally became numb um, to love and became comfortable with loss because I could quietly deal with it and not deal with everyone that claimed to love me, violated, hurt, or fails me. Oh, that sounds so sad. Well, look, I'm I'm literally, like, even though I've I've known about it, you know, you've, you've, Mm -hmm. but you've never said it in the, in the words, right? I mean, I've I've never said that out loud. Yeah. And I knew, Mm -hmm. you know, we've, Mm -hmm. it's been secretly not said, but I I knew about some foods and I didn't like them. Um, Right. (laughs) But when I think about just a, you know, a 15 year old girl that's first thinks that Mm -hmm. she's been given away by her mom and then. Yes. having to, you know, go from house to house and then your dad gets sick and, and mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, shit, I guess I got to go back and live with somebody, you know. And right. For it to be your mom. And, I mean, and I mm-hmm. I knew your mom, right? And so mm-hmm. I just couldn't yes. imagine that she would allow that to happen. And I'm like, look, right. I'm on the, on the podcast, guys, trying not to cry, but it just made, it breaks well, my heart to just think about. You know, I look at little young girls, little fifteen-year-olds, like yes. well, even before, mm-hmm. you know, with that dude mm-hmm. before, it just it just breaks right. my heart, and it makes mm-hmm. I get it, you know. And I, we and, have daughters. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. never ever imagine not protecting my daughters at all costs, and you know, not letting me go. And maybe you know, my mother thought, okay, she's under the protection of family but still not knowing what environment I was in in those homes either. Mm -hmm. So I think I, and, you know, I went on to, you know, I got married at 19, you know, I was pregnant. Um, Started dating at 16, which was kind of weird. Um, But marriage, I totally don't respect marriage in the sense of, Two people loving one another and coming together and wanting to be, you know, joined in a union. Um, I got married the first time out of, you know, obligation. I have a child. But something that's been um, key in all three of my marriages, I'd say at least the first two, any indication, (laughs) any indication of trouble, I abandoned the relationship quickly. I mean, there was no infidelity on their part. Once I made a decision that I was done, you know, I was the one that was, you know, um, committed adultery both times because I had to make sure that 
it was really done, and I can guarantee loss. I don't want you to forgive me and forgive us and let's move forward. I needed you to be gone and have that abandonment or me control the loss so that I can move on. There's no tears. There's no feeling of failure. There's no drama if I'm controlling it. Right. There was no heartache. There was nothing. I was comfortable because it was every, just me and my time. girls. Every time you Every single them. time. You were comfortable. Mm-hmm. No tears or no nothing. Not until the, the last one was a bit different. But the first two, no. And and I know I sound like a horrible person right now, but if you knew me, I'm very I'm a very gentle person. You know, I don't like to argue and fight and things like that. But I like to be in control. And my younger self in those marriages if I wasn't in control, it it was done because I wasn't going to have someone leave me and experience that, you know, that heartache or that pain or that I was in control of that pain. And if I created it, it wasn't pain for me. Mm. That way, because you wanted this mm-hmm. to control, you know, and then when mm-hmm. you were younger, you didn't have the control mm-hmm. on where to go, who to live with, and what to do. Nope. So you've no. taken on. You took on the, I think even that, going back to even at 15, you know, mm-hmm. when you talked about being raped by the son, you you mm-hmm. chose that avenue yes. because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're like, I would pick my poison. But you, at that moment, yes. it sounds like that was the time that you started mm-hmm. saying, I have a choice. And I choose yep. to to be in my misery alone, but mm-hmm. you're not going to give it to me. I'm going to just take it myself. I'm going to take it myself. That's exactly what happened. No one is here protecting me as a child. I mean, you're 15, you're a child. Granted, I was developed as heck at 15, but still a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a mother, if you let a 21-year-old, you know, sleep in the room with your 15-year-old, that's the problem. Something is going to happen. There was no one protecting that 15-year-old. So in my eyes, even though there was a violation, that person was protecting me from the bigger monster. So I chose to, and that was, what, five years, Mm. four or five years that I continued that um, out of the protection. Right. Boy. Mm -hmm. So then you think about, you know, um, thinking about having children, and we talked about mm-hmm. a little bit earlier with, with daughters and you know, you were controlling the the um the loss yourself. Yeah. Kind of what yeah. changed when you had your daughter? Did any or maybe the question is, did anything change? And if so, what was it? So when I had daughters, I think it took it up three notches for me. Um, I moved out of town. I mean, granted, I grew up later in life in this town, but I purposefully chose not to be around family. I secluded myself because for me, it was important to change the trajectory of my children's lives. So I became focused on only my kids and and them not having trauma through their lives. So if that meant their father had to go, fine. 
we didn't be we weren't around family or you didn't have that relationship with cousins and things fine um it was just me and my children um i recently started going through something with my oldest daughter who's about to turn 27 and and she said you know it was your way or the highway i couldn't deal with that it was overbearing i took that as you telling me i'm a bad mother you know, when I look back in hindsight, it's because I was trying so hard to control the environment in which they grew up because I didn't want them to have the trauma. Mm, yeah. Wow. So it you, probably um, was overboard. Yeah, and, and you know, who knows? You know, some, they all. I think they all don't think it's overboard no matter what we do as a parent. That's mm-hmm. for sure. True. Um, and <laughs> so true. thinking about, and because I know you well, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can ask this question. I guess, look. Um, podcast people, other people may not ask this question, but it just kind of <laughs> gives me a kind of gives me a revelation. And and the question mm-hmm. is, do you think that, um, you know, because in all transparency, you have cut me off a a few times in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but I ask it that out of love and love. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's all kind of coming yeah. full circle because I mean, I, you know, yeah. the question is, do you think that you would cut people off as you started? as your heart got super soft for them. Absolutely. So, and, and you know, I have very few people in my circle. Mm-hmm. I don't deal with a lot of friends. You know, I can associate, but people that really know me or I'm vulnerable with are few and far between. So when there's like a rift in, say, the friendship, and I think, okay, there's a problem, it's creeping, I'm feeling hurt, I'm starting to feel pain. For me, it's instantly, you know, lose my number, lose my address, I'm going to go close up, don't talk to me, fine, you you don't have to talk to me, and I'm safe again. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with the repercussions of what if we try to talk it out and it doesn't work. Right. And I have feelings of, well, I'm not, you know, again, you go back to the way that you felt. Well, I'm not important enough to, you know, have that full conversation or, you know, someone can grab me and say, no, you're not leaving. You know, I love you enough to let's talk about this. I understand you want to escape. Um, I never really gave anyone the opportunity to do that either, even though I wanted that so bad because I was used to okay, here comes the emotion, now it's time to create the law. Right. Wow. How do you get that? So what, thinking about that now, you know, at our, mm-hmm. our at our ripe old ages of 30, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> we're old. <laughs> we're older, you know, and thank God we, we are actually able to be older. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think you are now? Right from a mm-hmm. your running perspective, running from it, or be, trying to look looking back at the safe zone of love, loss to right. really truly being open for love. So it's definitely a work in progress. Mm-hmm. It started. Um, I intentionally, when my youngest daughter went off to college, at that same time, you know, I broke a long relationship you know I packed up and moved to a new town I started a new job for the first time 
I was alone with myself, not concentrating on any children, not in fear of any loss, um, but on a path to self-love and repairing my spirit and my heart. Um, I went on, I'd say, a personal spiritual journey mm-hmm. to try and figure out, okay, why am I like this? How can I stop and stand still instead of fleeing? And while I still struggle with that, it's it takes a lot to say, okay, this is not what this is. You know, talk through it, work through it, be patient. Um, I think I became a more patient person. Mm-hmm. Meditation helps. Um, I'm constantly surrounding myself with positive, you know, sayings and thoughts and listening to, you know, speakers and teachers that um, – that help you with what self-improvement, self-development, trying to figure out how do you get over, for me, childhood trauma, adulthood trauma that shapes me. And you literally have to take it down one brick at a time and replace it with something else. I learned that I'm my most peaceful when I'm at the beach. Never went to the beach growing up. That is where I get filled and have peace. When I'm peaceful, I'm more open to love. And that's self-love, love from a best friend, love from an associate, love from an ex. I can pick up the phone and talk to all of my exes every day. Well, except, except for one. Except that last one. I mean, I could still pick up the phone and call him, and he'd say, okay, can I come home? No. That's true. Um, Right. But even with all my craziness and controlling, um, I've always had a a big heart. It was heartened. Um, It was heartened to love. I recently, last year, thought, okay, God don't want you on this earth alone. You're not meant to be alone. How can you work on yourself to be able to um, attract love and be able to receive it? Because even if you attract it, I mean, I don't have a problem getting a man. Let's be real. But, (laughs) But receiving it and not finding triggers to abandoned. You know, I went on a date last year and I'm like, oh no, he got a pinky ring. He got to go. You know, let's get rid of him. Um, and I I called him a couple weeks ago and apologized um, because I realized that that's my natural instinct is to flee. Mm. I'm working on it. Where do you hope that you'll be 10 years from now? Um, from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, I would love to put down the baggage and be able to walk away from it and be open and be receptive and reset my heart and my brain so that I can be in a loving, committed, peaceful relationship. Yeah, I think about, you know, you said put down the baggage. It, it just reminds me, mm-hmm. you know, I used to do these little series of dumb things that some, we all mm-hmm. have baggage that we carry. And I always like the visual of putting our backpack on. So we all have a backpack on with some yeah. stuff in it. But what yes. happens is if we don't do the work, right, if, if you mm-hmm. don't say the word, 
<laughs> I, I gotta mm-hmm. always make sure I say I ain't no freaking therapist, but I've been to one right. <laughs> um, a whole bunch of times. Me too. Um, Me too. <laughs> exactly. What we do is we evolve or get older. We don't take stuff out of that backpack. We literally pick up right. more rocks. So we continue right. to make ourselves heavier. We continue to, you know, and I love like visuals because I just imagine myself walking around with this already heavy backpack that I thought mm-hmm. I was getting rid of stuff, but yet I'm still yes. putting more stuff in it. Yes. Yes. Which does what for you? Raise me the hell up. Emotions. Exactly. Yes. Makes, yes. makes me slower. Makes me tireder. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to mm-hmm. eat more. Yeah, it does all yes. of those things. And I think this relates to just mm-hmm. not only women, right? I mean, the last mm-hmm. few episodes I've had on only women, but this is men too. You know, I yes. had a, um, a colleague of mine, so he listened to the podcast, and he said, um, mm-hmm. you know, Janine, I'm going to let you know that um, men have these issues too. We look at about the mirror looking older. We got wrinkles. You know, we work <laughs> the same thing. So I'm just saying men mm-hmm. are dealing with the same stuff, you they know, really that are you've dealt with and gone mm-hmm. through. I mean, I'm talking through my dating, you know, um, there are a lot of men that say, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been hurt in the past. I've done this. I've been single. I did the work. I'm ready to be married, you know, and, and especially in this age group, you know, the children are leaving, they're growing, they're empty nests. And when you're left with looking at yourself in the mirror and you know you want companionship, you either make two choices. You do what you have to do to heal yourself and start unpacking that baggage, Mm -hmm. or you hold on to it and it becomes your habit. And 10 years from now, you're still sitting in the same place because you're not open to love, because you're scared of the fear. Right. Yep. A lot of people in our age group. It kills us. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, you don't fear the love. You fear, you know, I don't want to waste my time or I don't want to be vulnerable or I'm going to put in a year and then I'm right back where I started. Well, you have to take that chance. And if you're not willing to take that chance, you're not ready. Right. Yep. So when you think about love and loss, and earlier, you know, you said, <laughs> I said, um, you know, love made you frown, right? And loss mm-hmm. made you smile. Yes. How are you, how are you now? Is it the opposite or is it still the same? Oh, no, it's still the same. Like I said, work in progress. I still mm-hmm. look at love coming my way like, ooh, you see that two-headed man coming my way? <laughs> He's got four eyes <laughs> and 12 toes. Um, but I'm trying to be patient and make myself, um, when I'm happy, when I'm at my happiest, I'm smiling, I'm laughing, I'm attracting people that um, are on that same vibe, the same frequency. You know, I talk about, you know, that kind of aura. You attract people at the level that you are. And, you know, when you're angry, you, you're getting someone that's not really serious or attracted to angry people. Um, the more that I'm doing my for myself and making myself happy, I can feel um, I can feel the anxiety coming down. I can feel my shoulders relaxing, and I know that when I keep telling myself, if I've never experienced love for the rest of my life and I die tomorrow, 
I think I have really loved once, <laughs> once, more than some people do in a lifetime. But, and then I'll ask myself, if you're on this earth for another 50 years, what is it that you really want? And it's what I fear the most. Love. I want to sit on a rocking chair with my old man watching the grandkids play in the front lawn. Right. What do I have to do to get there? I'm going to have to do the work. I'm starting to do the work. Yep. And it's all, it's I encourage other people to do the work. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it it's is. literally 40 plus years of doing the same mm-hmm. thing, maybe in different mm-hmm. forms. And I've done it too. Mm-hmm. We, it's hard to break. Right. It's, it's, it takes 12 weeks to change a habit. Dude, we've been doing something for 40 plus years. It's like <laughs> <laughs> at least 12 years. Yeah. yeah. It's like, holy hell. But I think what happens is people be think, people think I'm so, I'm so messed up. I can't mm-hmm. never be fit. So just forget it. Right. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. There is one thing at a time that I can fix, right? Maybe mm-hmm. yours yeah. is okay. When I feel vulnerable, I'm not going to sleep. I'm yep. just going to feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's literally it's one little it's one step at a time. And if if mm-hmm. I learn anything through therapy and all my years, because I was all effed mm-hmm. up as a child, it's right. one thing at a time. I can't fix all of me. I'm gonna be a work in progress for the rest of my life, but I can't fix all yeah. of me in one day. Or in one session, you know, it's mm-hmm. just going to take some work. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's really, you know, being the, it's being vulnerable. And I think a lot of us, especially in our community, we don't admit that we have a lot of crap that we need to talk about. I agree. I agree. It's what it is. Cover it up. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, yep. all you, all my Caucasian friends listening, and mm-hmm. or Hispanic, or Latina, or Asian, whatever. I'm sure there's something that goes on in their community, but I'm just speaking because oh, I yes. know my community, you mm-hmm. know, and my community is, let's be very, very secretive. Don't act like mm-hmm. nothing happened. You just keep on and going. smile. Yep. Smile, put your weave on, put on a tight dress, mm-hmm. take a cute picture on Instagram, and your life will be fine. Exactly. Fine. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's good. We all, we all fine and dandy. But yes. I, but I, I, I've always had the problem. I, I've always recognized my issues, but I wouldn't say I've always mm-hmm. worked on them. I ain't going to even act right. like I have. You know, I knew what they were, <laughs> but I didn't work on them. Yes. But mm-hmm. I do the work now. And I look at it daily. Daily, yep. I think. And, and, and I'm the meditation queen. Let's regroup. I'm in a hotel in another town right now. You know, have some quiet time, even if it's 10 minutes. You know, what did you do to improve yourself today? Yeah. And I know that, I mean, if you I, you can step in a relationship today, that's so unfair for the person that I would be in a relationship with. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm right, that there's a period of, okay, you have let that go, or you haven't thought about that in a week or in a month. Maybe you are getting over that. But the more joy I have, the more joy that I'm going to bring to someone's life. Yep, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Me coming to yep. end all shitty, he don't even mm-hmm. want to be around me. So I'm looking at myself like, I don't want to be around me either, you know? Right? But so, then you get mad, and why does he want to be around you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, because like, you ain't nice. Right. Do the work. Do the Do work. The be work. patient. Give grace. Have some trust. You have to rebuild yeah. trust. And remove the fear. You know, fear is a cancer. 
That I believe. Biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I just want a commitment to you that you is not going to say you're not going to be my friend again. (laughs) That could be the first (laughs) (laughs) But I love you even if I don't say it. I'm going through something. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I had to grow, though, and learn. Even mm-hmm. from my relationship with you and a couple of my other friends, I had to understand mm-hmm. I have, I'm a little, I'm a bit much. I um, <laughs> I have high, I have high <laughs> expectations. I mm-hmm. am very regimented. And if someone didn't do it my way, then I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. So I'm always be a work in progress. And that's why I think I don't hate anyone. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, there's only a few people in my circle that are really close, but I'm a, right. I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a networker. I like people. I like to be around yes. people and friends, and I'm very committed mm-hmm. to my family and friends. Though, if you are my friend, right. I'm a, right. gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm a dead, I'm your dead body friend. Like I don't just say <laughs> right. you're my friend. friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. dead body friend. Yeah. I'm gonna come bear to people who don't know what that means. That means you. I'm the girlfriend. If I'm your friend, friend, mm-hmm. your sister friend, that you can call yeah. if you kill somebody and you gonna have to bury them. I'm probably the one that's gonna come help you. So <laughs> get the shovel. It's time. Yes, it's time. That mm-hmm. is me. And so, yeah. but I have to, I, again. I've had, we all got stuff, and I mean that's a whole other story. Like, this ain't about me. Um, right, but the patience. I mean, the patience, yeah. the understanding, the me being willing to trust and lean on the people that truly loves me, knowing that you're not going to hurt me. You're not. I mean, I'm, you know what I do. I can boss around 8,000 people every day. When I come home and close my door, I am sensitive. Right. Yep. Like, That's the real you. Being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's the real me. I put on the front. I put on a Batwoman cape, and no one, if you ask them, would say, no, yeah, she's sensitive. But no, those that are close to me, I am very sensitive. And it's that sh- it's that um, hard on the outside, soft in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I need to work on that, too. People aren't out to hurt you. Those that love you aren't out to hurt you. And that helps. Yeah, that that is true. So in, in closing, mm-hmm. though, if there's one thing that you could, if your daughters happen to listen to this podcast, which I'm sure they will one day, one thing <laughs> yeah. that you want them to know, well, actually maybe two, kind of twofold, mm-hmm. what you want them to know about you and then what you hope mm-hmm. that they see in you. I would want them to know um I think I kind of mentioned that they're getting to the age of, you know, adulthood and speaking their mind that I, from the day they were born, everything that I've done for them, the way that I raised them was the best that I knew how. Mm -hmm. I thought I shielded them from everything and gave them all that I had um, while they were growing up. Um, so that they would be free or not have any reference or experience um, that I have. Um, what was the second question? <laughs> um, and so I said, what do you want them to know? And what do you want mm-hmm. them? Oh, shit. I don't forgot. I wrote down no. <laughs> what, do what, do what do you want them to see in you? Was it, was it no and see? See in me. Um, I want them to see vulnerability. They've seen my strength. Um, mm-hmm. all growing up. Um, they very rarely 
saw me cry, you know, the later year, I didn't even raise my voice, you know, I would argue with my husband in secret in, you know, the room or let's go on a drive. Um, I want them to see that it's okay to feel and work through hurt and pain. You know, the oldest one is married. You know, I don't know what I taught her about working through obstacles and challenges in your marriage because she saw me pack it up and and leave. Mm. Um, And through my experience, you know, I counsel her and I'm guiding her. You know, I want them to learn from my experience, count on me, lean on me, um, but it's okay to be vulnerable. You don't have to be strong for everyone all the time. Right. On that note, I think that is awesome. And I swear, um, podcast people, I hope I did say no and see, but if I didn't, I still think that was a good answer. So (laughs) I just want to thank you for joining and being vulnerable, making me cry, getting all the ugly eyes. Um, I love you. I love you too, and I appreciate you sharing your story with these peeps, these peeps on the podcast. Um, Right. So, and that's it. You have just completed episode seven of All Things Dorothy's Daughter. Please make sure you share this podcast with a friend. Go ahead and like us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Let us know how we're doing in the comment section. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful rest of the week.